Let's pray for a moment. Father, we're so thankful that what sin breaks, your love is able to heal. What sin steals, your grace is able to gift us something better. Thank you, Father, for the work you have done in our lives in the past, the work you're doing today, and the work you will do in the future. We give you honor, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it with me to the book of Acts in the New Testament. The book of Acts, chapter chapter 2. Going to look at one verse this morning because what I want you to, to focus on is the fact that what she just sang about, God did in Jesus' life, and he can do in your life. It was in the, the darkest hour of Jesus' existence on earth. Think about this. In his darkest moment when he was, when he was arrested, when he was put on trial and was beaten, severely beaten with fist and whip and sticks, uh, when, he was, when he was crucified, nailed to that cross, and when he died, it, and, and the darkest hour, the darkest moment of Jesus' life, God was doing something beautiful. God was creating something beautiful for you and, and for me because when Jesus was dying, he was paying the penalty for our sin, my sin, and your sin, so we could be forgiven and cleansed. He was purchasing for us not only forgiveness, but everlasting life and, and, and a home in heaven. And when he was raised from the dead that first Easter over 2,000 years ago, he was winning for us victory over sin and over the grave and over all the agony that death brings to us and life. And I want you to see what the Apostle Peter said about that in one verse that's just in, in, in the middle of, of his first sermon uh, in the city of Jerusalem when the church was first first birth, Acts chapter 2, and it's there on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. Acts chapter 2, look, look what God says here. But God raised him up, talking about the resurrection of Jesus that Easter. God raised Jesus up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Look at that again. Putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him, for Jesus, to be held in its power, in the power of death. And so today I want to unpack that verse and help you understand the, the true meaning of Easter and how God can take death and, and loss and pain and all the agony associated with it. And because you have a relationship with Jesus, defeat that agony and do something beautiful in your life. Yesterday in Iowa, there was, there was a funeral. About 1,500 people attended. It was held in the gymnasium. It's for a family of four. That couple had been married about 16 years, and a few days earlier, they had flown with their two children to the coast of uh, the, the, the coast of uh, Mexico for a vacation. It was their second time to vacation in Mexico. And so they're staying in a condo in one of the resort areas on the beach, and little boy ran down to the ocean and put his feet in the water and he took a, a picture with his phone and posted it on Instagram. It was the last social media post by the family on that vacation. They went to bed and they died because there was, there was a gas leak in the water heater in their condo. Now you think about the agony of that, the tragedy of this family on vacation. 
How many of you have ever gone to the, to the beach for a vacation? I've already had some messages from people on vacation. It was spring break here in Rock Hill, and a lot of our families are traveling. And I've had some messages this morning from some who watched the first service via live stream down at the beach. So you go to the beach, and you, and you put your feet in the water, and you play, and you take a picture, and this little boy, all excited, puts it on Instagram. And then that night, because of a leak in the, in the hot water heater, a gas leak, this family dies, and, and the wife's mom, after they learned about it, said, half my family is, is gone. And, and, and the agony of and, and most of us in this room, to some degree or another, have experienced the agony of, of death, haven't we? I know I have, and many of you have. And, and, and death is an enemy. The Bible calls it a great enemy, the last enemy to be defeated, in fact. And, and ultimately, listen, in, 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 in your own strength, death always wins because, listen, death is always stronger than you. There's not a person in this room with enough strength, enough ability, enough anything to prevent yourself from dying. That's how powerful an enemy it really is. And so he, he says here in verse 24, God raised him up again. Now, I want you to look at this real carefully. Putting an end, putting an end to the agony of death. I like the way some of the other Bibles translate that, that phrase from the original language, the NIV, freeing him, freeing Jesus. So put an end to Jesus' agony. And through him, our agony, freeing Jesus from the agony of death. And when we have a relationship with him, freeing us from it. Or the King James, the older translation, loosed, set free, loosed from the pains of death. Because the word there in the original language is the, it's the opposite of being tied up. It's the opposite of being bound. It's the opposite of having a rope or chains around you and tying you up. So it's to be unloosed, to be set free, to put an end to that. That that stops. You're no longer you're no longer bound. You're 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 liberated. And I want to help you understand what that really means in your life, so that you can celebrate the true meaning of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, understand how how much you need Him and all that He can do for you. So I'm going to ask my volunteers, David and Steve, to come on up here right now and uh, um, we're, we're going to help you understand this verse as thoroughly as as we can now brother david here has agreed to let us tie him up today so david you just stand up over here now brother steve brother steve do y'all love brother steve yeah go ahead he deserves it but today brother steve is the epitome of Satan and sin. He's the personification of Satan and sin. And so he's going to help me tie David up. And let's just begin, Steve. I want let's go around his waist. All right, David, get your arms up so your arms aren't caught yet, okay? And Steve, can you do a slip knot? You ever been fishing you know how to do a slip knot? You got it? You do a slip knot and I'm gonna let you hold that for a moment. You got it? All right. Now we're gonna get you tight in a minute, David. So just relax right now. Because folks, here's what I want you to know. The Bible teaches that from the very moment you were born, death starts wrapping around you. The very moment you were born, you're going to die. Sin and Satan are working to entangle you in death, and there's not a thing you can do to stop that from happening. Look at these uh, verses on the screen here. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me, meaning that all of us are born with a sin nature. And so from the very beginning, guess what? Sin 
and death. See, that's, you didn't do a good job of that slip knot, brother. It slipped. It slipped. Tie a real knot. Tighter, brother. There you go. He just fall out of that, son. You're not much of a fisherman, are you? Yeah, I don't catch very much. Okay. If, they, if you do, they get away? Okay. Now, now, where was I? All right, we can stop there for a second. How you feeling? Okay, well, you can go ahead and sit down here. Back up on the chair while you're able. You can put your feet up on the stage. Scoot right on back. Get comfortable. How many of you are parents? Wave at me. Did you have to teach that beautiful baby girl, that beautiful baby boy to do anything wrong? Did you have to teach them to scream when they didn't get their way? Did you have to teach them that to be selfish? Huh? They come by how? Naturally. Why? Because we're all born with a sin nature. It doesn't matter how much you love your kids, how well you teach your children. As they grow, they are going to do wrong. They are going to make bad decisions. They are going to sin. Why? Because each and every human being is born with a sinful nature. And the Bible says because of that, it's appointed to men once to die, and then after that comes judgment. All of us are going to die because all of us are sinners. Now, David, we're just going to just keep wrapping you up here, tying you up to the chair, okay? Just take it around them a couple times to the chair there where you can't get out of that chair. There you go. How's that feeling? A little tighter. Still not too bad, but too bad. But see, that's how sin works. While you're growing up, it's there. You know it's there. But it's not too tight. It's not tugging too hard. You know, you don't normally feel it too bad. But the whole time, just, just hold it there, the whole time without you really realizing it, without being fully conscious of it, the Bible says sin is tying you up in death. Dying from the moment you're born and the rope just getting tighter and tighter and going around you more and more. And listen, death, Scripture teaches, has two partners. Two partners. Satan and sin. Now, Steve's wife, Victoria, is seated over here, and she fell in love with him, and she's been with him all these decades, so she must think he's a pretty good guy and think he's handsome. Keep going. Keep going. But do you know <laughs> Do you know that the Bible says Satan comes to us as an angel of light? Satan doesn't always show up ugly and in your face so that you'll be repulsed and want to run away. He comes as an angel light. He, he comes looking good, and, and what he brings to you looks shiny, and, and it looks fancy, and it looks nice, and it looks good. And yet the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar from the beginning, the father of all lies, and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And the whole time he's coming to you all shiny and pretty, he's actually trying to kill you as he's wrapping you up. Now let's go under and get his waist and get him tied down to the chair. Because this is what he's doing to you the whole time. And what about sin? The other partner of death. The Bible says the Bible says that sin is fun. You and I know that experientially, don't we? The Bible says sin is fun what? For a season. Because eventually the fun runs out and what you're left with is, is, is the ruin, the results. The Bible says be sure your sin will find you out. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Eventually the, the truth, the, the real stuff shows up and the, the Bible says the wages, the paycheck for our sin is death. 
And so the whole, the whole time sin is saying, hey, this is fun. The whole time, let's go down and get his feet. Let's, let's get his feet so he, he can't move his feet. Let's go around a couple times on his feet. Because the whole time sin is saying, isn't this fun? It's killing you by wrapping you up even tighter. And you don't even know it. And this process just continues throughout life until you finally reach the point of death. Now look at Acts 2.24 again. Jesus, when he was raised from, from the dead, what, what did he do? He put an end to, he was loosed from, he was set free from the, the agony of death. The agony, that, that word is the idea of an excruciating pain. It's a word that sometimes is used when a woman gives birth to her child. And the pain associated with birth. And we, we have experiences in life. Things happen in life and, 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 and it's hurtful and the pain is excruciating. And literally, you know what it means? It's, it, it, the word has the idea of the ropes being, you feeling that? You feel, you're feeling that, right? Yeah. The, the tug hurts, right? And the Bible says that's what sin and Satan and death does. It tugs and, it, and, and not only it wraps you, but eventually it starts pulling really tight. And there are those moments of excruciating, excruciating pain in your life. I, uh, I personally became familiar with death when I was a kid. You know, I didn't fully understand it or appreciate it, but I knew I knew it was bad. When I was little, I, I remember my grandfather one afternoon getting a phone call, uh, and and and. He was more like a dad to me than my dad in many ways and loved him dearly. And, and I, he was in his late 60s at this point. And I can still remember my grandfather, after getting that call, walking silently out of the house and standing on the front porch crying. And I'd never seen my grandfather cry. He was crying because one of his brothers had died. And, and I, I knew in that young moment that there was something painful, some anguish, there was something bad about death. When... My uncle, my dad's sister's husband, J.D., who was an alcoholic. I'd, I'd seen him pass out in bed. I'd seen him roll off the bed into the floor, just drunk. And I, I remember the pain of his three young children still at home when he died from his alcoholism. I, I saw that. Didn't fully appreciate it. They were older, but I, I, I got a glimpse of it. And I, I remember going to, to a house about a mile and a half from where I grew up because this was in the 60s in the Vietnam War and, and this young man, his body was brought home and, and they were burying him. And, and I just I remember hearing that he had been killed by a sniper. And, and I can see his mom and dad in their kitchen. And, and so early on I began to realize there, there's agony with death and then I become a young man, Monisa and I marry and She's expecting Stephen. She's about six months pregnant, and, and suddenly she's bleeding, and there's a problem, and she's in the hospital, and we're concerned we're going to lose our first child. And I, I, I remember that evening, late that night, just collapsing in a chair and for the first time just losing it, afraid I was going to lose my child. Now, Fortunately, and we were blessed, and we didn't. But but all of a sudden, death became a little more personal. The agony of it, a little more personal to me. And then that that Friday 
in August of uh, 1987 when we were living in Sumter and Dad, who was only 54, going to the doctor that day in Kentucky for some tests. I knew that, and that evening I had a wedding rehearsal, and when I got home, uh, I asked Monisa if they had called, and she said, yeah, your sister, and the look on her face told me everything I needed to know, and so I said, cancer. And, and she said, yes, and it was hopeless, and three months later, Dad was, Dad was dead. It became very real to me. Then that Sunday, a little over a decade ago, after preaching twice here when I had to take my kids aside and take Monisa aside and tell them that Monisa's sister and brother-in-law had died in that, that commercial plane crash in Lexington, Kentucky that, uh, that morning. Yeah, it got, it got real. Does, does anybody here know what I'm talking about when I, when I say that, that death pulls and, and, and it tugs and you feel the pain, the anguish? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And here, here's the thing. You can't stop that from happening, can you? You can't, you can't prevent it. I, I, I'm going to feel it in the future. I know my mom who's 80 one day, death will win. Monisa's parents, 89 and 87, death is going to win. Death is going to win in my life. I'm going to die. There are unknown moments out there in my future and in your future. We can't escape. David, can you get out of that? Let's get them really good. Can you get out? Try. Come on, am I hurting? A little bit. But you see, folks, that's how death is. You can't get out. You, you cannot escape. Psalm 18.5. Look at, look at this verse from the Old Testament. The cords of the grave coiled around me. It's, imagine a, a python you know, encircling its prey, gradually squeezing the air, the breath, the life out of that prey. That's what sin does. That's what Satan does through sin, bringing death into your life until eventually all of life is squeezed out and you're dead, you're just, just wrapped up in it. And the whole time, Satan is lying to you. The whole time, Satan is, is saying to you, you're good enough. You're good enough. Satan, the great liar. You're better than most people. You're better than average. You're a good guy. You're good enough. But guess what? Your morality, no matter how good you are, you can't get out of this. Satan, he, he lies to you and, and, and he says you're sincere and you're a genuine person and, and you're sincere in your beliefs and what you believe really doesn't matter. You're, you're real and you're, you're sincere and yeah, you are sincere, but guess what? You're still caught and you can't get out. Satan, the one who comes to kill and destroy and deceive, says you're a spiritual person. You, you, you're a spiritual man. You're a spiritual woman. You believe there's some power, there's some deity, but you're still tied up. Death is still wrapped around you. You can't get out. 
Because everything Satan tells you that you can do on your own to fix it never fixes the problem. You are powerless to fix it. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. That is why you need Jesus Christ. That is why you need the one who was so powerful within himself as that Bible verse in Acts 2.24 says, so powerful within himself that it was impossible for death to hold him. He broke the ropes that encircled him in the tomb. And he can do the same thing for you. So let's start unwrapping Brother David here. Because... Jesus was powerful enough that he got out. The question is, how do you get out? What do you do? What do you have to do so Jesus will untie you? And he can do it quicker than this. But he's the only one can do it. You have to have somebody from the outside. What do you have to do? Because all the lies of Satan about, hey, you're, you're good and you're spiritual, and, 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 and you're religious and all that stuff. All those lies from Satan, guess what? They're lies. They don't work. They, they won't get you out of this. You, only Jesus can get you out of this. So what do you have to do? There it is. What do you have to do for Jesus to get you out of this? You're almost free, David. You're almost free. You're almost free. It's going to feel good, isn't it, brother? Well, look in chapter 3 of Acts. Next slide. Look at verse 19 there. Repent. And return so that your sins can be what? Wiped away. See, it's sin that Satan uses to make you a prisoner of death. Is that it? Are you there? Are you free? Almost? Almost? Go ahead and stand up, brother. Stand up. Stand up. Let's get you. There you go. You're free. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. Great job. Now, that's what you have to do. If you want Jesus to untie you from death, you want him to untie you from the consequences of your sin, the guilt of your sin, you have to repent. So what does it mean to repent? Well, let me tell you what it's not. Repentance is not simply turning over a new leaf. You know, I've been making bad decisions. I'm going to do better next year. I've been doing such and such. I'm not going to do that any, anymore. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to do better. That's not repentance. That won't untie you. It doesn't work. Repentance is not joining the church, being baptized and becoming religious. It's not, that's not repentance. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. What is repentance? Repentance begins with you acknowledging the truth. You cannot repent of something that you don't acknowledge, that you don't own. And so it begins with you acknowledging the truth that you're all tied up in your sin, all tied up in death, and you are helpless on your own. Nothing you do by yourself will fix that. Acknowledging that you've done wrong, that you've sinned, you're a sinner in the eyes of God, and there's consequences to that sin, and you deserve those consequences. Owning your sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. 
And you have to own that. The wages of that sin is death. You have to own that. Acknowledge that. That's where it begins. And, and then it's, it's all right, I own that. I acknowledge that. And I recognize that to this point in my life, I've been going in one direction. I've been going this direction, doing it my way, the way I think, trying it without Jesus, doing it, do, being religious, whatever it is, being good. It's just me, the way I'm going without, without Christ. And suddenly I acknowledge and realize that this direction is the wrong direction. It won't get me free, and it won't get me to heaven. It won't, it won't bring forgiveness. It doesn't work. And so I turn around. Go the other direction. Repentance is an about face, if you will. And suddenly, rather than going my own way, trying my own things, I turn around and I look at Jesus and I go his way. I go to him. I look to him. I acknowledge him. I ask him to forgive me. I depend on him. I trust him. I commit myself to him. I give my life to him. It's not Jesus and something else. It's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need you to untie me and set me free. Because I can't do it, Jesus. It's you, Jesus. I'm going to live for you and love you and follow you and serve you. Jesus, I'm giving my heart and my life. I'm giving me to you. I'm going that direction, Jesus. That's repentance. That's repentance. Receiving Christ. Now, you know, you know what God does when you do that? He wipes away your sin. He forgives you. And that means the, the, the penalty for your sin is forgiven. Death, all wrapped up. That, that beautiful verse in Corinthians talking about the resurrection of Jesus that just cries out loudly in excitement, Oh, oh, death! Where's your victory now? Oh, death, where's your sting? Thank God that in Jesus we have victory. Death loses because we have Jesus in our life. And, and the agony, the agony, the suffering, I love 1 Corinthians where, it's, where it says, our eye has not seen Ear has not heard, our hearts have not imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The glory that is ours in heaven is so incredible, so immense, so great that it means the excruciating suffering of life pales in comparison, which means it has to be really incredible because life can be really hard, right? God has for you out there in heaven. More than you can imagine. And so in Jesus, he breaks the chains, he breaks the rope, and he sets you free. And he says, I'm going to give you a great life, not only a forever life, but a beautiful life and a great life. And on the resurrection day, a, a new body that will never be tied again, that will never be known, no sin again, that will never be wrapped up in bondage again, that will never suffer and hurt again. The victory all because of the power of Christ and the fact that you are in a relationship with Him. And, 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 and so when I, when I see God, let me wrap it up with this. When I see God, when I see God face to face the first time in heaven, when I see Him, the only thing I can do 
is, is just get on my knees and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because it wasn't the fact that I was good. It wasn't my religion. It, it, it's you, Jesus. I, I'm not here without you, Je- Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Only your power and your grace and your love that took the mess that sin made and put together something beautiful can make this possible. Thank you, Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking, will you right now, today, this moment, get on your knees before Jesus? Will you repent? Get on your knees before Jesus and ask him to forgive you and save you. Will you turn your life over to him? Will you commit yourself to him? Will you let him set you free? Will you let him put the pieces together in a beautiful way? Will will you give yourself and your heart and your life to Jesus and ask him to forgive you? Will you do that right now? I want every one of us to, each each of us to bow our head and close our eyes. We're going to pray and if you would say, Pastor Steve, that's, that's what I need and it's what I want. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. You're not talking to me. I want you to talk to Jesus. You have to mean this with all your heart. And you have to believe it. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you want to give your life, if you want to repent and give your life to Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. In your own heart, pray right now. Lord Jesus, I need you. Because I know I'm hopeless without you. I know there's sin in my life. I'm I'm a sinner. And I deserve death and I, I can't fix it. But I believe you love me. I believe you died for me on the cross. And I believe you were raised from the dead. And I believe you can change me. Right now, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. And I commit myself to you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for setting me free. And wiping my sin away. Jesus, give me boldness. Give me courage. Because I don't want to be ashamed of you. I want to live for you. And I want to be a strong follower. And I want to grow in my faith. So help me take the next steps I need to take. And Jesus... I love you. I love you. And I thank you. Amen. I want everyone to stand and look at me. In just a minute, Shelly's going to lead us in singing this beautiful song, The Power of the Cross. Pastors are here. And I'm inviting you, if you prayed that prayer with me a moment ago, come to one of these pastors and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. What a young lady in the first service 
came to Brother David standing over here. She had prayed to receive Christ. I want you to come. Why am I asking you to come? Because it's that next step of owning your faith, of owning your relationship with Christ, of not being ashamed, of taking that stand. So Also so we can talk with you and help you, point you on your way to some more steps to help you grow as a Christian. So come and, and, and then we'll talk with you. Come and talk with one of these pastors. You can come today to, to join our church. We had a young couple in the first service come and uh, they became members of our family of faith. Others can come and just pray here. Maybe there's somebody you want to pray for. So let's sing this song. And you come. Father, help.